Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Well, good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. This is Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner, your trusty co-hosts here. And we're having a great conversation this morning about people who use life insurance. Now, life insurance is something that is very interesting because it's very private and not a lot of people publicly announce that they're using life insurance. And so that's why it can be a little bit challenging to figure out who are the high profile people who are using life insurance. And so we want to talk with you about this today. Bruce, you actually brought... um, this topic to this particular article to my attention. And so I wanted you to just share a little bit about why we're talking about this today, and then we'll dig into Jim Harbaugh. Well, I think one of the, one of the reasons we, I think we, we need to let people know about this. First of all, this is not a product. This is a strategy. And reason that um, I would say that institutions use this um, and an institution could be um, in this case, a, a university, it could be a business, it could be a private business, it could be a corporation, it could be, frankly, a family uh, that could use this. The reason they use this, it's a, it's a fail-safe to actually make sure that they get uh, their investment protected, and not just the, in the uh, person they're insuring, they're insuring but it's also so that they get a return on the money that they compensate the person for so that they can actually offer more compensation to that person because they know down the road they're going to be reimbursed for that compensation in the term of the death benefit. So this is a long-term strategy that uh, many businesses that are looking long-term and obviously universities with, with their endowments are looking long-term, but also if you can make the strategy of infinite banking infinite, which we talked about on the show before, you can actually do um, generational planning, much like, much like the Rockefellers have done to maintain and build their, um, their estate value over the years. So, I think as we start to talk about this, I want people to understand that this is um, not a product. This is a strategy. And that strategy allows for both parties to actually get what they want. And the reason they can get what they want is the leveraged death benefit. In other words, a premium is actually being leveraged up in the form of a death benefit. Yes. And Bruce, I appreciate you sharing that. I think, um, what we want to do at the beginning of this show and each and every show is that maybe you've been listening for a really long time and you know a lot about infinite banking, which we also call privatized banking. And maybe you're brand new to this concept and somehow you saw, well, Jim Harbaugh's using life insurance. Interesting. Let me jump into this conversation. So we just want to meet you wherever you're at in this conversation and with your current level of knowledge about life insurance that we're usually talking about and share with you why it's important. So what's really interesting is I know 
because I am one of these people to be honest, if I, if I'm honest, especially on the disc personality, if you look at DISC, the I personality, which is the person who is people oriented and outward focused, they're high energy and people oriented. They tend to make decisions based on what other people are doing. And whether this is a good strategy or not, Bruce, (laughs) is a little bit irrelevant, but I think we, I'm not alone in this. If I hear that Oprah is doing something or that somebody, Russell Brunson is doing something and I know they're successful, I am very, my ears open wide open and say, well, if somebody who's very successful is using this, I would like to know more. And so it's interesting that some people make more decisions based on just facts and just the research that they accumulate and figuring out how something works. And that might be more of an engineering type mind, or you have people who are more so saying, I want to think differently than the crowd, but let me figure out, well, who else is actually doing this? And there's some social proof. And I think what's really challenging is that in the life insurance space, there is not a lot of social proof unless somebody says, I own life insurance. Hey, here, I'm waving this flag and I'm telling you that I own life insurance. And not a lot of people are necessarily stepping out and saying, this is what I'm doing. And there can be a lot of reasons for that. I think we've talked about that on the show too. Maybe it's something that somebody is saying, you know, it's not flashy. It's not really bold. It's something that's a lot more um, conservative. It's a a slow, long-term wealth builder. It's a functional strategy. It's building a foundation in your financial life. It's not something that's going to be talked about around the water cooler as much. And so what's really amazing is that when people do say, hey, I own life insurance, and that becomes public information, it is really, really valuable. So why is why is this something we're even talking about? Well, life insurance is a really private asset, which is really good for you because it's safe from creditors in most cases. It's not attachable in lawsuits, and those are subject to your state and federal guidelines and how that applies in your particular state. But it's also, you don't have to list it on your FAFSA as income. So when you're applying for student financial aid and the cash value growth is not reported to the IRS, those are really, really good things. But that also creates almost this like closed gate thing where you can't just look up somewhere online and say, who owns whole life insurance? How much whole life insurance do they have? How many policies? How long have they been in effect? If they don't want to tell you, you're not going to find out. So um, I think that's really, really uh, an interesting perspective. So if by any chance, you're the kind of person who would like some social proof today, we're talking about social proof with life insurance. Now, I do want to tell you, people have been using life insurance for a really long time. And I'll just name a very few because I think this is really important. And then we're going to dig into Jim Harbaugh, who is somebody who's alive today and using life insurance in a very strategic way. So some famous leaders who have used this cash value maximizing tool that has safety, liquidity, and growth, this place to store cash and access it like a bank. Here's a few people who have done that. So um, Leland and James Stanford's son um, died and they used, um, Jane received a check from her husband's life insurance policy. Sorry. And and that was for ten thousand dollars, and that was enough in nineteen or eighteen ninety three to keep Stanford University open. So that is a long time ago, and that was um, helping to fund Stanford University. Walt Disney borrowed against a life insurance policy in nineteen fifty three to help fund Disneyland. 
And so if he had not had the cash value inside the life insurance policy, he would not have been able to use that store of capital to help fund something that we all know and love today as, a, as an icon. And then in following the t- 1929 stock market crash, J.C. Penney borrowed against a life insurance policy to keep uh, payroll going and to keep the company afloat while many of his competitors were going under. Then we have Doris Christopher, and she is the one who started the Pampered Chef company. You might not know her name, but everyone knows what Pampered Chef is. She launched her company in 1995 with a loan against her life insurance policy. And later, she sold Pampered Chef to Warren Buffett for $900 million. Then also, Max and Verda Foster bought an 80-acre chicken farm with $1,000 loan from a life insurance policy. Doesn't sound like a lot, but that was back in 1939. And now that's built into Foster Farms and employs over, well, it employs 12,000 people, 12,000 people and grosses over 2.3 billion in annual revenue. So what's interesting is that those are things that you can find. We can even put some of the links and the sources to those. If you want to go find those, you can check over in the show notes later. But those are some people who have used life insurance and it is public knowledge and information that they use life insurance to strategically fund their business endeavors. So I think that is a really good reason to pay attention. So Bruce, let's talk about Jim Harbaugh. I'm going to let you talk about him and what he's doing a little bit more. I do know that he is a coach in college football for the Michigan Wolverines. And I'm going to leave it there because I don't want to mess up and call it basketball or something crazy or say he's in the NFL or the NBA. I'm not a sports person. So you go ahead, Bruce. Well, first of all, I think um, you you previously said that he's using it. I think more the university is using it. Oh, yes. The, yes, because the university, um, during the negotiations of this contract, um, it's funny, he was... He was uh, a coach at Stanford also, Stanford University, which you just talked oh, about. Interesting. And so there's a tie between those two universities. But at the time um, that he was negotiating his contract, um, you know, he was a hot commodity. And so they were trying to lure him away into the, he's a, univer, a University of Michigan graduate. So he went to and played football at the University of Michigan. He played quarterback there. And then he went on and had a a pretty decent little career in the NFL. And then he went to the University of of San Diego, um, a smaller university, and did really well. And then he went to Stanford University. And then uh, University of Michigan lured him there. And, you know, they lured him there uh, with compensation. And now there's some, there's some, um, the article talks about in ESPN. So this is a very highly credible source that, uh, they're paying him a $5 million a year salary uh, starting in 2016. At that time, some of the highest paid coaches, uh, like Nick Saban of Alabama, was making uh, probably at that time, Nick was making about $7 million. Uh, I think he's making $9 million now. But and it, and my point of this is they were trying to be competitive, but mm-hmm. yet still protect their assets. So they agreed part of the compensation package that they would loan Harbaugh uh, $4 million to actually put into a life insurance policy and then an additional $2 million a year for the following five years. So that would mean they increased his package by $14 million. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I, it doesn't it doesn't really say for how many years uh, the overall because it says it has a remaining six years of the deal. So I'm going to presume it's all six years. So if you divide 14 million by six years, it's a little over uh, two about 2.35 million additional. So the total compensation package would have been somewhere around. 7.5, but because it's a loan to him and he can also then loan against, take a loan against the cash value in the policy, that is actually worth a lot more to him because he doesn't have to pay income tax <clears throat> on the loan. Now, the reason we know this is because University of Michigan is a public university <clears throat> and they have to abide by the Freedom of Information Act um, so that any uh, state employee, they're going to know what his contract is. So um, as long as the policy stays active, Harbaugh will not need to repay the loan until he dies. So which that's key. Oh, what's that? That's key. I mean, that's a huge, that's a really good deal for the university because they're going to get their money back, but it's a really good deal for Harbaugh because he is getting this payment and he doesn't have to repay it at any time along his lifetime, unless I know where you're going with this, unless he quits, right? Yeah. If he, if he quits prior to the uh, uh, contract, then he needs to pay the premiums back. Um, the deal also ensures that um, Harbaugh's heirs, should he die while Michigan is paying for the policy, will get no less than 150% of the premiums that have been paid into the policy. So let's say, uh, they paid ten million dollars into the policy, and his heirs will get at least fifteen million dollars. Um, and then the the payout um, would also then protect the university because the university will get paid back the money they loaned Harbaugh for the policy, and uh, at at least the clause says one hundred and fifty percent as well. So. If they, that means that not only are they going to recoup the money that they loaned him to put into the policy, but they're going to actually make money mm-hmm. in the situation. Now they don't know when they're going to make it, whether it's going to be when, you know, he's approximately my age. So he's like 58 or he might be a little older. He might be 60. So, I mean, his life expectancy is probably another 25 years at least. So they don't know if they're going to get it this year or in 25 years. But once again, you know, the endowment is, um, is a, an ongoing thing for the University of Michigan. That's a pretty good return for them, 150% of whatever they gave them. So this also uh, allows them, I think is at the very beginning, it allows Jim Harbaugh to make more money, and it also allows the university to offer more money. And so this is just another thing, like Nelson Nash used to always say, it's a it's a a creative way to actually use this strategy. Now, this is this is done by what's called a split dollar arrangement with an employee. This is not something unique that the University of Michigan figured out. Uh, I've actually put this in play with with uh, uh, employees as small as uh, probably ten. I think it was, although you could do it smaller than that, and. The reason you do this normally is you do it in, in some form of deferred comp situation. So you're going to tell your employee, I would like 
you to stay around. So I'm going to pay for, for this until this date. And then if you stay around, you actually become the owner of the policy. But at that date, when you become the owner, you're responsible for the, the premiums after that. That's why they call it split dollar. You're trying to figure out how the employer is going to pay and then when the, um, the insured or employee is going to pay. So you're splitting the, who's going to play, pay the premiums. So this is a very useful thing for employees to actually negotiate different than a 401k compensation. And this is a very key point here because uh, the ERISA Act um, dictates 401ks and compensation like uh, qualified plans, whether they're SEP plans. So you cannot discriminate with any employee. So in other words, if you offer it to one employee, you have to offer it to all the employees. Mm-hmm. So let's use the University of Michigan, which would actually be a 403B plan. So they have a, I'm sure they have a 403B plan. They can't tell Jim Harbaugh, we're going to give you a 403B and we're going to contribute everything to your 403B. You don't have to contribute anything because that's discriminating according to the ERISA laws that are on the book. However, and giving him more than another employee than the other ones. Now mm-hmm. they're, they're doing that, right? And that's because insurance is not governed. ERISA doesn't govern insurance products. So they're able to discriminate and only give it to Jim Harbaugh or whomever else they, they choose as a form of compensation. Yeah, I think this is just a really interesting way of looking at life insurance because often we talk about how you can personally own life insurance on yourself and then you can use your cash value for whatever you choose. But in this case, this is an agreement between an employer and an employee where there is some form of golden handcuffs, if you will. This is, I'm going to give you compensation in a different form than directly paying you. Yes, you're going to end up paying me back, which means great for the employer. It also means that the employee is getting a tremendous amount of benefit. And one thing that I don't think was extremely clear is at what point can Jim access his cash value inside the policy? Did you see that in the uh, article? I think, I, yeah, I think it is. I, yeah, I, I, I believe uh, w- the way I read it is he can do it immediately. Which is extremely valuable for him because that means that he can access and use the cash along the way as well. If he has access to that cash value, then that means they're putting dollars into this policy and however much cash value there is right away, then he can use that, meaning he's free to um, experience the feeling of that pay today. Correct. And you got to understand is that I think a lot of these guys are like, well, I know coaches. Uh, I used to be one. Um, we, we're so busy. We don't have time to spend money. And so when somebody like Jim Harbaugh is getting $5 million a year, <clears throat> excuse me, getting $500 million a year, he's probably saying to himself, I can't spend that money right now anyway. <clears throat> so I don't mind that additional compensation is going to me, I can get to the cash value, but as we all know, you can't, you know, there's a limit to how much cash value you can get to. So he's probably like, I don't really care about that right now. Um, I, I would like to, to actually um, grow tax-free and then I can access it later tax-free. I think what's really interesting, Rachel, is 
the way that this came about, it was the interim athletic director was a guy by the name of Jim Hackett. And Hackett was the former CEO of Steelcase Furniture. And he was the one who actually laid the groundwork for this. And he explained it's more common in the corporate world mm-hmm. to actually retain these employees in a deferred compensation place. Um, so he was trying to re- retain Jim Harbaugh. What's interesting about this, and this is happens in the, in the sports world all the time, Jim Harbaugh has not been doing very well as the coach of Michigan. And a lot of people, alumni, would like to see him fired. Mm. But in order for him to be fired, they have to uh, actually uh, fulfill the the contract. And there there are buyout clauses and things like this that are put into the contract. But this is actually helping Jim Harbaugh, too, because it's, it's making him less desirable to be fired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so both parties are, are getting kind of what they want. That is so interesting. So interesting. Um, Bruce, you also shared that there was another coach that is in a yeah, similar so, situation. So I'm very, I'm very happy about this because this is bringing these types of strategies more to the, the forefront. So then Dabble Sweeney, who's the head football coach at Clemson University, he won the national championship, I believe, two years later and renegotiated his contract. And they did, they negotiated a very similar situation that part of his compensation would be a split dollar arrangement into um, a cash valued life insurance policy. So this is becoming more and more high profile. He even like you mentioned before, you know, J.C. Penney and, um, and Walt Disney, which I know both because uh, J.C. Penney was actually born in Hamilton, Missouri. And I didn't realize that. Walt Disney was, was actually born in Marceline, Missouri. So we yeah. hear about this. We hear about both of these in Missouri a lot when we're talking about whole life insurance. It, it comes up a lot. Um, and so this is being brought to the forefront so that people – you know, one of the common things we hear all the time, Rachel, is why haven't I heard about this before? Mm-hmm. Well, the first question or the first answer to that question is because this is a private contract. Mm-hmm. Well, people aren't going to, one of the benefits of it is being private. So people are going to talk about it if it's private. Um, so I really like that the University of Michigan and Clemson, and we just recently uh, got the, the disclosure from President Biden who actually shows he has four, um, he has four cash valued life insurance from a mutual company. And so more of these, because of the freedom of information act, when you're at a public or government uh, situation, it has to be revealed. And then people in the general public can say, Oh, wow. If Jim Harbo and Dabo Sweeney's who they can afford the greatest financial advisors in the world, think this is a good idea. Why shouldn't I think this is a good idea? I definitely agree. And especially for those of us who make decisions, whether we like it or not, we are all influenced by what other people are doing. And when we see other people making great decisions, and we think that they are the kind of people who would make great decisions, it really is validating. So if you're in a position where you're saying, hey, I really was hoping to find out some other people who have used life insurance in their financial strategy, this is an excellent little compact episode for you today to see some real world proof of people who you recognize their name when you hear it 
who are using life insurance. So Bruce, is there anything else we need to share before we wrap up? I know that we can probably keep this really tight and compact today. Yeah, I mean, no, we just want to give a 10,000 foot, you know, overview of this. I would like to say that um, I want to thank everybody that's listening uh, because I am starting to enjoy, you know, people are calling, they're calling in, they're sending emails, they're actually setting meetings up with our teams. And it's really nice. We're hearing really good feedback from our listeners about uh, how educational the show is. And we're going to, we've made a commitment, Rachel and I have made a commitment since the very beginning that we wanted to make this very, very educational. So if there's anything else that topics that you would like us to cover, you know, please let us know that. We would love if you could share uh, the episodes with your friends. If you could, if you could actually subscribe to the, the YouTube, YouTube channel. But the other thing that's because we are getting more and more people reaching out to us, um, and I know that Rachel and I are on the podcast all the time, uh, but we're hearing from our other team members uh, that we have uh, that cover all week that they're kind of d- disappointed that they're not talking to Rachel and I. And the fact of the matter is we just can't talk to everybody, but mm-hmm. we actually have very competent team members that I train personally, and we have known for several, several years. They have high integrity, high character. And just to kind of put your minds at ease, Whenever they come about a strategy that they're not um, familiar with, they actually get me involved. So they, you might not see me in a meeting, but they actually contact me and we talk about the strategies for if, it, if, it's, one, if it's something they haven't seen before. So I just wanted to point that out at the end of the uh, episode, a, a thank you, but also to kind of clarify how our team works to actually give you the best uh, strategies that we can possibly offer in your financial picture. Bruce, I really appreciate you sharing that. I mean, I appreciate you tremendously, but I think what is really interesting is that as we're building a business that can ultimately serve you for a long term, we want to really think about how we can best use our unique abilities and how we can maximize our time and how we can give the most value. And so the educational component is a huge part of that, developing educational programs and products and resources and things that you can download and read and watch and listen to, that's really important to us because we know that this is not just about the advisor meeting, but we need good advisors meeting with you to help you implement directly. Because here's the thing, you cannot take a um, public forum like this and go implement on your own and DIY this, especially in the life insurance sphere. I mean, you need to be able to talk with somebody who's licensed to sell and recommend life insurance products if you're going to use infinite banking and privatized banking. So you need that coach or that advisor to be able to lead you through the process so that you can figure out what is my entire financial picture? What are my priorities? How do I best accomplish my priorities in my financial life? So there's a lot of moving parts to being able to deliver the best product and service to you so that you can be effective and you can be successful in the long term and you can build wealth and you can build time and money freedom. And so that's why we have a whole team that is structured around being able to do this the best possible for you. So Bruce, just thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, 
So if you want more of this type of content, yes, please reach out to us. You can do that in multiple ways. You can email hello at themoneyadvantage.com. You can comment on the YouTube video. You can comment on LinkedIn when you see this later. You can comment on Facebook Live. You can comment after the fact. You can also subscribe in each channel that you are listening to this. Maybe you're listening on the podcast. Please click rate and review. We'd love to hear what your thoughts and feedback are on the iTunes or the Apple podcast um, platform as well. And we love being able to provide and bring this valuable information to you. So please share your feedback. Please share your questions. That always gives us more fuel to be able to answer specifically what is on your mind. So also I'd love to just point out that life insurance and privatized banking is one part of a much bigger journey. So you in your financial life cannot just take one product or one strategy and say, this is everything for me. Instead, you really need to look at your entire financial picture, keep as much of the money that you're making as possible, which is implementing cash flow strategies to retain as much of your profit or your income as possible. Then you want to protect that income and then you want to use your income and your cash to make more, to build cash flow so that you're in a position of building time and money freedom and you're not having to continue working for money, but you're making money work for you. So if you want to figure out how to do that, please book a call with our advisor team. You can do that over at themoneyadvantage.com. You can get straight on our calendar and we would love to be a solution to really help you build your money story. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Bruce, for sharing your knowledge. Thank you for keeping me straight on which is basketball and which is football. And um, thank you guys so much for, for being with us today. We will see you next time. Oh, in closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.